0: We're going to look at um, some early parts of the book of Deuteronomy, if you'd like to know where we are this morning. You know, occasionally I hear about someone that uh, says they've read the Bible and really didn't get anything out of it, and there's a good reason for that, because the Bible is, the Bible doesn't lend itself to speed reading and if that's the way you read it then I understand why you're not going to get very much out of it because it can't be done it's um most books like Deuteronomy for an example need to be studied you can't you can't speed read it you have to study it you have to meditate on it and then all of a sudden as as you seek god and meditate on what's being said all of a sudden you see all the connections of of the god of history and what he's done and how it how he speaks to you today through what he's done in the past and that's what he does in deuteronomy and that's what he does in virtually every book of scripture how do you know you're going to be able to trust god because you've always been able to trust god because look at what he's done in the past speaking from a book like deuteronomy it would be best to be able to do a line-by-line study of the book because otherwise you're skipping over a lot of things and um it's just not the best, but in the format that we have, and I don't mean Zoom, I mean in one person speaking one week about a topic and another person speaking the next week about a topic, it's virtually impossible, at least for someone like me, to go verse by verse and then skipping a month or whatever and then picking up again and expecting Myself, not not even including everybody that's listening, to link link it with what you've said in the past. So you almost by necessity have to hit high points and hope and pray that people will actually read the text for themselves and apply it and begin to to let it seep within their spirit. To that end, uh, just briefly, the first. Three chapters of Deuteronomy, and then I want to look a little more closely at the fourth chapter. If you recall, the book of Deuteronomy is a record of Moses' last words to the people of Israel as they're finally getting ready to go into the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And Moses reminds the people of all that God has done during that period of time and he calls them to live a life of faithful obedience in the land that they're about to receive. In the first chapter Moses reminds Israel that their favored status as God's people as the children of God uh it didn't come about because of their great um obedience to God because of their wholehearted uh service to god because that had nothing to do with them or anything they've done the reason they are favored is because of god's promise to abraham their their ancestor and god never breaks his promises he's always faithful and he had promised abraham that he was going to create a great nation and this is that nation For better or worse, that's the nation, and God is not going to turn him back from his promise. And the first chapter also shows the vital importance of faith. Though God had promised to give them the land, they refused to go in because the spies brought back a report that they just couldn't accept. It was too difficult. They came back. From the expedition and what they said about the land was it's a land of great promise they said that um, it's a land of it's beautiful it's bountiful and then there's that word there's that word but and but always means when it's related to people it always means i'm not going to do whatever came before or there's a barrier and I can't get past it. Now, if the word applies to God, when scripture says this, this, and this, but God, it means whatever came before, don't worry about it, because but God is going to take care of it. So, but here it says, but, and the but is that there are strong people, there are bigger people in the land And the cities are well fortified, and we're afraid, and we can't go in. So they refused to go in. And Moses reminded them of all the Lord had done, and they still refused to go in. And in chapter 1, verse 32, it tells us that it's a faith issue. It says, but for all of this, all of Moses reminded reminded them of, you did not trust the Lord your God so there's the issue it's a faith issue you don't trust god you don't believe what he says and again what's what's changed it's no different than than it was then we don't trust god obedience is always very important but the lord always forgives disobedience because he does it time after time in scripture. If he didn't, Israel would have ceased to exist at the very beginning, and so would we. So obedience is very important, but God forgives of disobedience. The problem is when we don't obey God because we don't trust his word. We don't trust what he says, and we don't love him for all of his goodness to us in the second chapter israel has to turn away from entering the promised land because of their disobedience and they begin their long wilderness journey they're commanded not to engage in war with the people they encounter because god has given parts of that land to these other people he hasn't given it to israel so they're not to engage these people in war they're to leave them alone if they have to give them money to pass through the territory, that's okay. Remember, when they left Egypt, it says that they plundered the people of Egypt, which means that the people of Egypt gave them great amounts of money, wealth, goods, cattle, everything else, and they were loaded. So they didn't lack the means to buy whatever they needed. God had never said, go and conquer everything that gets in your path he said some of this belongs to other people that i've given it to don't touch them you only take what i've given to you not what i've given to others in verses 24 and 25 of chapter 2 there's a change in the way god commands israel to deal with other nations so those two verses Chapter 2, verses 24 and 25 say, Arise, set out, and pass through the valley of Arnon. Look, I have given Sihon the Amorite, king of of Heshbon, and his hand or his land into your hand. Begin to take possession and contend with him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the peoples everywhere under the heavens, who, when they hear the report of you, will tremble and be in anguish because of you. Notice this as God says that I'm going to do this. They're going to be afraid of because what I'm going to do, not because they look at you and go, oh my goodness, we better get out of the way. There's a change in the way God commands Israel to deal with other nations. They will engage in battle, but they do it according to the plan of God. Peace can still be genuinely offered. They can say to these people, if you will let us pass, and the people say, okay, then, you know, give them whatever money they desire to to feed you as you pass through. But the ones that God is against are going to refuse to do that. And God will say, okay, they are standing against my people. They're standing against me. Then you have, then you fight them, but I'm giving them to you. So don't worry about it. You be obedient because the land is yours. When you look at verses 26 through 29 in chapter two, it says, so i sent messengers from the wilderness of Kadimoth to Sihon, Sihon, king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, let me pass through your land, and I will travel only on the highway. I will not turn aside to the right or to the left. You will sell me food for money, so that I may eat, and give me water for my money, for the money, so that I may drink. Only let me pass through on foot, just as the sons of Esau who live in Seir, and the Moabites who live in Ai, Ar did for me, until I cross over the border into the land which the God, the Lord our God, is giving to us. But Sihon, that means he did not allow it. But they offer to pass through peacefully. Then in the next few verses from 30 to 37, it gives an account of the first victory recorded in the book and it gives us some hard sayings. And the hard sayings you see in these chapters are things that people always have a difficult time with. But Sihon king of Heshbon was not well, willing for them to pass through the land for the Lord your God hardened his heart, his spirit, and made his heart obstinate in order to deliver him into your hand as he is today. This is, but the Lord said to me, See, I have begun to deliver Sihon and his land over to you. Begin to occupy that you may possess the land, his land. Then Sihon, with all his people, came out to meet us in the battle of Jehaz. Then the Lord our God delivered him over to us and we defeated him with his sons and all his people. So we captured all his cities at that time and utterly destroyed the men, women, and children of every city. We left no survivor. We took only the animals as our booty and the spoil of the cities which we had captured. Tough stuff very difficult and it's especially difficult for people if they're just doing a speed reading through the Bible as a perfunctory study that they really have no genuine heart for the Lord God hardened Sihon's heart so that he will not allow Israel to pass through his territory peacefully because God had determined to give Sihon and his kingdom into Israel's hand. The word that's translated destroy in the text in Hebrew means to dedicate or to devote something to God. And sometimes it's used in a positive sense, like if you're devoting certain utensils to be used in the temple. But most of the time it refers refers to a compulsory devotion to destruction. Something which blocks God's people from doing what God's commanded them to do. And that's the case that you have here. All the people are devoted to destruction. They're all standing against God's command to Israel. Now, why would a holy God command annihilation such as this, every man, woman, and child? and actually we touched on this very briefly the last time. To begin with, such destruction is a judgment on the wickedness of the people. Deuteronomy 9, four says, do not say in your heart when the Lord your God has driven them out before you, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is dispossessing them before you. So it's because of their great wickedness. And we gotta understand what that word means. It doesn't mean they're slightly bad. It means they are corrupt and wicked and vile and every sense of the words. And that's what these people were. Remember that the Lord had given them plenty of time to repent. In fact, God had delayed Israel's conquest almost 400 years for this reason to give these people time to repent 400 years in genesis 15 the story is told of god's covenant with abraham verse 7 in genesis 15 says and he meaning god said to him abraham i am the lord who brought you you out of the Chaldeans, to, of Ur the Chaldeans, to give you this land to possess it. This is when Abraham is in the land, and he's just a just he and his party, maybe seventy or eighty people. And God says, "I'm going to give you this land." Now the problem is, it's going to be two hundred years between Abraham and the time that Jacob takes his family to go into Egypt to be with Joseph 200 years later, before they even go in to the land of Egypt. And in verse 13 says, God said to Abraham, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed. 400 years and then verse 16 says then on the fourth generation or in the fourth generation they will return here for the iniquity of the amorites is not yet complete 200 years from the time god is speaking to abraham until the time jacob takes a family into egypt to link up with joseph who was second in command of egypt at the time and then 400 years after that before they go into the promised land. 600 years from the time God tells Abraham. His promises never fail. but God's not on the same time cycle that we are. If he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Now maybe it's not going to happen in your lifetime but it's going to happen. So. I think maybe from scripture, we best believe that God means what he says. But beyond the fact that God tells us why these people had to be utterly destroyed for their great wickedness and refusal to repent, ultimately the Lord tests us. He tests our faith by forcing us to face realities that we find difficult to accept. When faced with hard sayings, we either subject God's word to our own thinking and pass judgment on God and his ways, or we acknowledge that though we can't comprehend it, if God has said it, that it must be true and right. So it's a, it's a faith test for us. Do you believe God even when you can't see any way that it's possible? When we get into chapter three, we see that the destruction continues against Og, the king of Bashan, another Amorite king, just like the one we just saw, Sihon. And it's important to realize that the destruction is God's judgment It's God's doing. Israel is God's instrument for this judgment. It isn't Moses' idea to destroy the women and children. It's a direct order from the Lord himself. So there's no way you're going to get God off the hook and saying, oh, well, Moses just decided to do this because it seemed like a good idea. It's a command of God, destroy every one of them. So we're back to, are you gonna change the word of God or are you gonna believe what God says even though you don't fully understand it? In chapter three, verses one through seven. Then we turned and went up the road to Bashan and Og, king of Bashan, with all his people came out to meet to meet us in battle at, at dry. But the Lord said to me, "Do not fear him, for I have delivered him and all his people and his land into your hand, and you shall do to him just as you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon." So the Lord our God delivered Og also, king of Bashan, Bashan, and all his people into our hand and we smoked them until no survivor was left. We captured all the cities at that time. There was not a city which we did not take from them. Sixty cities, all the regions of Argob, the kingdom of Og of Bashan. All these were cities fortified with high walls, gates and bars, besides a great many unwalled towns. We utterly destroyed them as we did the Sihon king of Heshbon, utterly destroying the men, women, and children at every city. But all the animals in the spoil of the city we took as our booty. Again, God's command, not Moses. And when you read verse 11, you can understand why Israel was afraid to go against the Amorites. Because it continues on, and in verse 11, it says, For only Og, king of Bashan, was left of the remnant of the refereeum. Behold, his bedstead was an iron bedstead. It is in Rebab of the sons of Ammon. Its length was nine cubits, and its width was four cubits by ordinary cubits his couch or his bed was 13 feet long six and a half feet wide this is why they said there are giants in the land we're afraid to go in this is what happens when you walk by sight and not by faith you see things that seem to be overwhelming and you go there's no way and God says you listen to me don't go by what your eyes see. Has anything changed? Doesn't God still call us to walk by faith and not by sight? And when we don't, we end up doing things that are crazy and that ends up end up in a disaster. The territory that was taken from King Og King Og and King Sihon, both Amorite kings was great was given to the tribes of reuben and gad and the half, half tribe of manasseh this is on the east side of the jordan the, all the rest of the land on the on the uh, other side of the jordan had not been conquered yet so the land of that belonged to og and Sihon, these two amorite kings were given to two and a half tribes of israel The rest of them had to wait until they crossed over the Jordan into the original promised land. Any reading about the land of Bashan, which is where this last king is, shows that they'd always been an idolatrous and vilely sinful people. In fact you can read in the book of Amos in the fourth chapter and Amos describes the, pro- the people of Bashan, as those that oppress the poor and crush the needy. So it's not this the only place in scripture where it talks about this land and the people, how vile they were. And again, God had only waited 600 years before that He gave it back to the descendants of Abraham. And the Deuteronomy 20, the Lord plainly states why he wants certain people devoted to destruction, those especially who would be Israel's neighbors. If they were allowed to live in the land Israel, that Israel was going to occupy, they would contaminate Israel with their moral and spiritual degeneration. The Lord knew that a pure and faithful people of God would not exist for long if they became mixed with a wicked, corrupt, and sensuously powerful culture. Ring a bell? If we don't keep ourselves separate from the world around us, how long will we stand? He's saying Israel won't stand. The sad fact is that, as we see in scripture, Israel does not destroy all these people, and their influence terribly corrupts the people of God to the final spiritual death of great numbers of them. If you go into chapter 3, it concludes with, or the end of chapter 3 concludes with Moses asking God one last time, to change his mind and allow him to enter the promised land. And apparently Moses had often pled with the Lord to allow this. That's the suggestion you get from reading Deuteronomy three 26, where it says, but the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me enough, speak to me, no more of this matter. Moses was judged because what Israel did led him into sin. He was angry with the people because again and again, they had murmured and complained to God. And finally Moses had had enough and it caused him to sin. And though his request across the Jordan River was not granted, Moses was allowed to see into the land before he died from the top of the mountain range. So the first three chapters of Deuteronomy review God's faithfulness and power. And now in chapter four, Moses begins to lay out the commandments that God calls Israel to obey. And he calls, out, he calls them to obey him in response to what he's already done. He doesn't say, I want you to obey. And one of these days, I'm going to show you why. He's already shown them why. And now he's asking them to respond to it. In the fourth chapter, the first few verses, eight as a matter of fact, says now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform in that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord your God of your fathers has given you. You will not add to the word that I am commanding you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Baal Peor and all the people who followed Baal Peor. The Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. See, I have taught you statutes and commandments just as the Lord, my God, commanded me that you should do thus in the land where you are entering to possess it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and and your understanding in the light of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God, whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and and judgments as righteous as this whole law, which I am setting before you today? Verse 2 says, don't add to the law or take away from it remember this is god's covenant with his people it's god's wisdom that's what the law is altering it in any form brings destruction verse 2 actually gets repeated again in deuteronomy 12 32 where it says whatever i command you you shall be whatever excuse me whatever i command you you shall be careful to do you shall not add to nor take away from it. You want a New Testament uh, correlation to this? The book of Revelation, verse uh, chapter 22, 18 and 19 verses says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book, of this prophecy, God will take away His part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. You know, people should always know and to be very careful not to alter or distort God's word. Deuteronomy four three recites the incident at Baal Peor as a warning to obey the law. And it says why? So that you may live, obey the law so you may live. So what happened in this incident? This is where Israel was camped next to some Moabite people and the men of Israel, many of them, went in and had sexual relations with the Moabite women. And in conjunction with the sexual relations with the Moabite women, they worshipped the idol, the false god Baal, and participated in the kinds of rites and rituals that they performed before their idol. And God was furious with these people. Here are people he's shown the 10 commandments to, they've seen all of his miracles, all of his works, and they go in and they join themselves to an idolatrous people. And all the people that actually did this, God said destroy them and 24,000 people died as a result of that but in verse 4 it says but you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today every one of you sin is serious it's not something that you go oh well never mind it's no big deal
1: it is a big deal
0: You know, before speaking about any specific laws, Moses talks about the importance of obedience. The obedience which um, Israel is called to give to God is not for the purpose of making them God's children. Obedience does not make you a child of God. It's not for earning salvation. They owe God obedience because he has saved them and because they are already his children all the way through this chapter beginning in verse 2 the law is referred to as the commands of the lord your god he's your god you're his people he's your god so he's already called them his people they're already God's children. You know, while obedience doesn't earn our salvation, it does bring certain benefits. Obedience removes the threat of destruction. And that was the punishment that y'all saw in this, what we just read. Living by the commandments of God will make this people wise and understanding. So wise as to be the envy of their neighbors. There's a huge difference in obeying commandments to earn God's approval and acceptance and obeying commands because you have already by grace been given God's approval and acceptance. That's the case for Israel. They've already earned or not earned, but they've already been given God's approval and acceptance. And that's the case for us today. It's the same thing. Nothing's changed. We've already been given God's approval and acceptance. And now we obey because it's a joy to obey the wisdom of God. Israel does not receive the law on Mount Sinai until after it has been delivered from the bondage in Egypt salvation comes first then obedience grace first then the believers grateful response to God's goodness it was the same today as it was then God's law is not some set of of unreasonable and burdensome requirements that God gives just to impose upon his people to test them to see whether they're going to be obedient or not, just to test their loyalty. God's law is his wisdom. It's his instruction for how human life ought to be lived if it's going to be lived rightly. It's God's counsel to his children so that they might have live a safe, a happy, and a fruitful life in the land that he's given them. That's what Moses is telling the people in verses 9 through 14. And what you see in 9 through 14 is only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which you have seen. And they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. But make them known to your sons and grandsons. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, that's Sinai, which when the Lord said to me, assemble the people to me that I may let them hear my words so they may learn to hear all the day, fear me, all the days they live on the earth and that they may teach their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the very heart of the heavens. Darkness, cloud, and thick bloom. Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form, only a voice. So he declared to you the covenant which he commanded you to perform, that is the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. The Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might perform them in the land where you are going over to possess it. Again, verse 12, you saw no form. In these words right there, you've got idolatry Idolatry rejected for all time. No form. No physical representation. No exceptions. No form. Then verse 13 says, what we all think we already know. Verse 13 says, So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. So God said, or God wrote them on two tablets of stone. And most of us take it for granted. That this just means five commandments on one tablet five commandments on the other tablet. But scholars say that each tablet contained all 10 commandments. So you've got all 10 commandments on one tablet and all 10 commandments on another tablet. This is in keeping with the way covenants and treaties were done at that time. One copy would be given to each party. So one copy would be given to the people, God would keep one copy. So that's what you've got, all 10 commandments on one tablet and all 10 commandments on the other tablet. And then verses 15 through 19 say, so watch yourself carefully. Now, how many times have we heard that? Watch yourself carefully since you did not see any form on the day your Lord spoke to you at Horab from the midst of the fire, so that you do not act corruptly and make a graven image for yourself in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. The likeness of any animal that's on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the sky, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that's in the water below the earth, and beware not to lift up your eyes to heaven and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, and be drawn away and worship them and serve them, those which the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heavens. Here's a detailed warning against idolatry in all its forms. In Israel's most profound meeting with God at Mount Sinai, where they heard his voice, the mountain shook, uh, it trembled, it seemed to be on fire, there was dark clouds and all kinds of foreboding in the midst of the voice of God, in the midst of the presence of God, and they saw no
1: physical form.
0: Remember the second commandment no graven image, no idol, no likeness of what is in the heaven above, earth beneath, or the water, or in the water. God is a jealous God, which means God has an active zealousness for righteousness, which comes from his holiness. Because of this, God's not going to stand for Israel's allegiance to any other God. So, idolatry in any form, is forbidden, and in verse 17 and 18, you see the warning was against making an image. But in verse 19, the warning against is a more subtle sort of thing. It's a warning against taking something from creation and worshiping
1: it. I lost my spot, excuse me. In
0: verses 17 and 18, the warning was against making an image, but again in 19, you see, you can't take something that God has created and make it an image either, an image for worship all the people of the lands that they came from most all of them worshipped the sun god or the moon god or something that they could see in the heavens something that seemed to be awesome especially the sun so they made an uh, uh, an active part of their lives worshiping idols of every kind it was sort of a, a universal institution and it was a part of the fabric of life with all the people in the land except one, Israel. So you can really see the danger to Israel on every side. All the people around it worshiping all these idols, the stars in the sky, and so forth. And the next number of verses might be entitled Keep yourselves from idols. Verse 23 says, watch yourselves. Don't forget the covenant God made with you. Don't make any graven image because, verse 24 says, the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. The same thing it says in the 12th chapter of Hebrews. Moses warns the people not to forget what kind of God the living and true God is. He's invisible, immortal, he's radiant in glory, he's infinite in power and might. And because of who God is, all idolatry becomes dangerous and totally foolish. It's gonna bring God's punishment instead of his blessings. For Israel means they'll lose the promised land. Verses 26 and 27 say, I called heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will surely perish quickly from the land where you are going over the Jordan to possess it. You shall not live long in it, but will be, will be utterly destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord drives you. So this land is given to you conditionally. You obey, you keep the land. You disobey, you're going to lose it. Now, they won't lose it for all time, but they're going to lose it for a period of time. And it's exactly what happened. And it says, there you will serve God's, the work of man's hand, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell you know idolatry practice long enough will finally bring a person to a state of complete blindness about life they're not going to be able to see anything except what's in front of them they'll know that money doesn't satisfy but that won't stop them from going after more and more money they'll know that power you know you can it's never going to bring them enough but they always want more and more idolatry is going to bring a complete blindness to life it's a form of madness and it's easy to see it operating today where people can get incensed over abuse of an animal but have no concern over millions of babies being murdered in verse 25 god is saying and moses when you act corruptly in the land and make an idol not if there's no if there, God knows it's going to happen, so does Moses, because he knows what these people are like. They're rebellious, they've always been rebellious, they're going to continue to be rebellious in the land. When you do this, this is what's going to happen. But he also says, In the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. Verses 32 to 40, lastly, your sigh of relief. 32 to 40 say, indeed, ask now concerning the former days which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and inquire from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything been done like this great thing or has anything been heard like it? From the time of creation till now, has anything like this ever been heard or seen? Has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you have heard it and survived? Or has a God tried to go and take to himself a nation from within another nation? By trials, by signs and wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by an outstretched arm, and by great terrors, as the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord, He is God, there is no other besides Him. Out of the heavens He let you hear His voice to discipline you, and on earth He let you see His great fire and you heard his words from the midst of the fire. Because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he personally brought you from Egypt with by his great power, driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in and to give you their land for an inheritance as it is today. Know therefore today and take it to your heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and on the earth below, there is no other. So you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I am giving you today, that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that you may live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. 32 and verses 32 to 34, ask a rhetorical question. Has anything in the course of human history from the day God created man on the face of the earth and asked from one end of the heaven to the other, has anything been done like this great thing God has done? And what's he done? He calls them to hear his voice from Mount Sinai when he gave them the commandments. Through burning fire and quaking mountains, he spoke and no other people had ever heard the voice of God and lived. And they would never forget that experience. It's an experience that would stand with these people and with their children and their children's children forever. And what other nation had been taken out from another nation and delivered with plagues and pestilence being used to deliver the people and then destroying the strongest army on earth as the Lord did for you against Egypt? The answer, of course, is this had never happened to another people anywhere, anytime this is why idolatry is so serious it's so deadly would you prefer an object that you can see but can't do anything it can't hear you it can't speak it can't taste it can't smell it's got hands but it can't grab anything and it's got feet but it can't move is this what you want or do you want a god you can't see but he hears you, he speaks to you, he shows you his great miracles day after day, time after time. So you choose, which one do you want? Something you make with your hands that can't do anything? Or someone you can't see? And the reason you can't see him is because it's impossible to do justice with an image to who God is. You're gonna make a blazing, instrument or one that's radiant and glory how do you do that so you choose what do you want it's what god is asking that's why idolatry is so serious and so deadly if this seems like a stupid question to ask which one would you rather have imagine what it sounds like to god He goes, what? What is wrong with you people? And it's what he says to us when we do the same thing. What is wrong with you people? That Israel didn't have to ask that question at the time, does God exist? They knew that he existed. It was obvious from the power and glory that he showed them. For them, the two primary answers to the question, does God exist, were Mount Sinai and the Exodus. So what about us? Well, those are powerful testimonies to us too, Sinai and the Exodus. But we've got something even more intimate. We've got the incarnation, which provides new and intimate knowledge
1: of the presence of God in history.
0: And we've got the death of Jesus, the death of the incarnate Son of God that had to follow his incarnation and then the resurrection. And we must hear Moses, just like Israel should have heard him, know therefore today and take it to your heart that the Lord, he is God, in heaven above and on earth below, there is no other.
1: Let's pray. Lord, how do we pray?
0: How do we ask you to show us something more magnificent than Jesus? How could Israel ask you to show them more than what you showed them by taking a people out of a land that they've been enslaved and giving them a new land and removing all the obstacles? Lord, you said, I'm taking you out of slavery
1: and I'm giving you a new land.
0: That's what you're telling us. I've taken you out of slavery. I've taken you out of the bondage of sin. And I'm giving you a land. You haven't seen it yet, but I'm giving you a land and I'm telling you it's there. And I'm giving you all kinds of hints about what it's like. And it's a land that's glorious. It's a land where there's no tears. There's a land where there's joy forever in the presence of God. There's a land where you don't need a son because the Lamb is the Son. So, Lord, how can anyone read your, read your book in the Old Testament and say it doesn't matter? It has no relevance. Well, you haven't changed your promises or from one people to the next people, and they know all about you. So help us to see and understand its promises and love them. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Thank
3: you, Greg. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have um, established righteousness and holiness. And you call us, Lord, you command us to turn away from idols. Lord, even the wonderful things that you have made, never to ever to worship them. Lord, may we be a people, may all of your church, Lord, enter in to worship Jesus, the wonderful, merciful Savior. Lord, we ask you to turn our gaze to you and let us remember, Lord, to remember this week and remember this day of your faithfulness throughout many, many, many generations. Lord, your faithfulness to a, to a man whom, to whom you had made a promise, a man of faith, Lord, you raised up prophets to remind your people to speak your words of life and of hope. Now, Lord, you, you called these people to action. To go and to live and to, to inhabit all that you had given them, Lord, to possess this land. And Lord, we we don't want to make a physical idol out of possessing this land today, Lord. We want to understand how to see that and how to understand it, Lord, and and to think about the kingdom of God being expanded here on the earth. Lord, you are the ones that uh, you are the one that we hunger for, Lord. I pray that you'd fill us. So we come to you as a, a people needing your rescue. And Lord, you have demonstrated uh, your faithfulness to keep your promises. And Lord, you've demonstrated, Lord, that your warnings are not without strength and power behind them. Oh, God, help us. Help us to believe you. Help us to look to you. Help us to meditate on your word, Lord. Lord, this week, I pray for our church family, Lord, that we would meditate on your word. We would go back and listen to this message again. We would read these first four chapters of Deuteronomy. Lord, we would consider the fighter verses that Carla sends us. Lord, we would encourage one another. With, with the promises of Jesus Christ. And Lord, all that you desire to accomplish today. Lord, we ask for healing for our land. Healing in our hearts, Lord. Healing in our government. Lord, healing for those who judge. Who are placed in positions of judging. Lord, those who are placed in position of, of of congressional debate. And trying to determine what proper laws are. And how to defend... Righteousness and uphold, Lord, those who seek for your uh, your mercy, Lord. We pray for the widow and the orphan, especially. And Lord, we're thankful when the government calls for for rules and laws that follow the your decrees, Lord. And we are we regret, Lord, when the government produces laws and rules that go against Lord your word. So, Lord, in your wisdom, would you dismantle what is unrighteous about us and establish what is righteous, Lord, your righteousness among us. Thank you, dear Jesus. Hallelujah. God, when you say no, you mean no. And when you give a warning, Lord, you always provide grace that if we would respond to it, And repent and turn to you then your goodness would flow and return thank you god lord may your word resound in us richly and produce and yield a fruit this week may it be so lord that jesus christ would be glorified hallelujah Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Greg. Um, so let, let these words um, find their way into your heart and your mind as you think through them and let us not judge god for his rules of righteousness but let's pray for his grace and mercy to be known and manifest to us anyone have a comment or something that you need to share just make sure you unmute first We're all speechless, Greg.
0: (laughs) I can understand.
4: (laughs) Julie, will you share a link for the circuit rider video that you were talking about? Yes, I will. Thanks.
3: Yeah, there's, there's been several, um, up close and personal videos shown from that same street corner. I, I saw one earlier. Uh, and it just reminded me of being in Peru. There was 150 people that had gathered around her, and she was preaching the gospel. And her main topic was, um, she she was talking about the I can't breathe phrase. And she was talking about Jesus on the cross with nails in his hands and his feet. And, you know, people die of asphyxiation on the cross as much as anything else. And there was Jesus he couldn't breathe, and yet his with every breath, he was showing his great love for people who would trust him. And um, she asked for a call of hands, and you know, 7,500 went hands went up. So now, now is a moment to answer the call. Um, and, of course, this wasn't the first time they had been on a street corner preaching. This is a group that had been... Um, like she said, it, it formed in 2011, and um, so if, if it's your first, <clears throat> first time sharing the gospel, then, then, uh, then it's time to share it, you know, time to share with people the promises that Jesus has made for us and given us. You'll share the link. Yeah, thanks.
4: If I remember correctly, Andy <clears throat> Bird, I believe, heads up the Circuit Riders. And he was one of the organizers of the send, which yeah. had such an incredible response.
3: Yeah, one of the articles she was reading me this morning was talking about eighty five fifty eight thousand Did I get the numbers for fixed of um, of young people had lifted up their shoes that they were ready to go. They're ready was to, in l a. That was in Los Angeles yeah. the Send
4: or the call of the send in l a yeah. many several years ago. Yeah.
3: so. Be praying for a revival in the midst of all this other
4: well the send in... can't hear you
3: can't hear you, Pat.
4: Can you hear me now?
3: yeah, yeah, okay,
4: I'm having a little bit of internet difficulty, um depending on what room I'm in <laughs> yeah so uh, um,
3: it's the breaking up again
4: Send was in Florida two years ago and had will I'll share this later,
5: never mind. Okay. I just I wanted to share something um our computer was going out of in and out of power so we had to reconnect to another power source um but I wanted to share something just as a follow up to Greg's word I, I had never realized or thought about the 10 commandments um being duplicated or replicated as they were on each tablet and it caused me to realize that um yeah, God, those people had God's word. You know, a lot of times we think, well, they, they didn't have his word back then. It was spoken, but it was written. And uh, how encouraging to know that they they saw that God's commitment to them was written, that it was tangible. And I think it's so, I mean, it's life-giving to know that he wanted to express himself in word, in written word uh, back then. So I I just had never conceived it or just never even thought of the 10 commandments being uh, duplicated on two, two stone tablets. But, um, yeah, thanks for bringing that out, Greg. It's good knowledge, but it's also, uh, just a great affirmation of God wanting to, us to know that, that he is a commitment bearer and promise keeper. Yeah. I think Yeah, I
0: think one reason that that uh, God did it this way, he he, uh, condescended to use the format that was in uh, normal practice during the time, uh, treaties between one sovereign and a people. Um, This was the format that it took. And God did this because it was familiar to the people. And so he just uh, condescended to use the same format, where it, one copy would be given to the these the, the, the suzerain treaties, I think they were called. One copy would be given to the primary, the one that uh, was the, the, the Lord, and one would be given to the people who agreed to the treaty that the Lord had made. And so it's, it, it's like this, you keep a copy, I keep a copy. Yeah. so
3: he has no intention of forgetting
0: well it's not that god needed a copy he was just <laughs> you know bowing to the to the uh, mores and the the concept that the people understood yeah. yeah it's just like when he talks to Richard he just goes hey, a <laughs> you're welcome
2: you know all through this pandemic we have heard many times quoted by many people that if um god's people who are called by his name will if we will humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways and seek his face, he will heal our land. So when we hear a message like we've heard today, I believe um, it's for conviction, not that we would be condemned by the Old Testament words, but convicted by them. And so I always look for an application. And um, I think it's easy to look at the Israelites and go, oh, look at all the idols they had, they were bad. But I think it behooves us today to look at the idols that we have, and especially in you know our own lives. Um, what are idols that might deceive us that would end in the same kinds of, of things? And um, what is it in me that would keep me from fully following Jesus? And where am I not believing him and trusting him? And that... Those kind of questions can be asked, but if, if we're really serious, then we really do want to hear, and then we really do want to respond um, in, in love and obedience to Jesus. And I think that that's one of the things during this time that the Lord really has given time for. And I believe that after hearing this, then the next step is to open our minds and hearts and say, okay, Lord, what about me? Um, again, where am I not trusting you and where does my behavior not line up with what you would have and um, and that's that's a it's a it's a hard good thing but it absolutely is a necessary thing um, to apply what we've we've heard this morning
0: what I thought about when when I was thinking about idols of wood and stone and this sort of thing I was thinking about what about the idols of of metal and the idols of uh, electrons and the idols of zeros and ones that we use in computers it's if that's not an idol i don't know what is that's so many people make it that it's it's their life it's it's what involves almost every thought that they have and everything that they do they're afraid to get more than 10 feet away from it and uh, so it can certainly be one.
1: I think we,
2: yeah, Yeah, I I think we sometimes too have idols that we can't see. You know, my, uh, maybe an idol would sometimes be how right I would be in an issue, or this is the way I've always been, or, you know, not, not just the things that I can see. Um, and I think the Lord wants to plunge into all of the idols, at least for me. Mm. Yeah. We have a few announcements, okay, unless, unless anybody else has comments. I have one.
4: Uh, today uh, I invite my friend Lydia she is in Russia and she is with us today she is listening and she's here now I'm so glad uh, you know her because we prayed for her sister Anna okay um, I'm so glad that Lydia is with us today thank you Lydia
1: Lydia you can say hi and turn on your camera if you want <laughs>
4: In the
2: hello, Lydia.
4: She's muted. She's still muted. You're still muted, Lydia. We cannot hear you. Hello, hello. Hello, Lydia. We can't hear you. Yeah, you
1: we
4: It's difficult.
3: Yeah. So what time is it there, Belinda?
4: Uh, It's about 8 p.m., but uh, you can see it's very light because it's uh, um, in that area, in St. Petersburg, it's a white night.
1: Okay.
3: I was looking how bright it was, and I thought it was being very late.
4: Yeah. What what city is it, Galena? St. Petersburg.
3: St. Petersburg, Okay. Thank you for calling us, Lina, Lydia. May God bless you.
2: And Lydia, Galena loves you very much, uh, so much that she would bring the needs that you and your family have had. And it's been a privilege for us to join in prayer for you and your family.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Thank, thank you. Mm.
2: Well, this week on Wednesday night, we have another opportunity to join together on Zoom and pray. And we really do um, welcome all of you and would would love for for everyone that can to join us in, in prayer on Wednesday night. This week, we have a number of family birthdays. Preston and Tia with their family are celebrating both of the grandson's birthdays. And on Wednesday, Eugenia and her family will be celebrating um, uh, Miguel's birthday. That's Eugenia's husband. And the Buellers will be celebrating their son-in-law, Kyle Biddle's birthday this week. And then um, a dear lady, um, Phoebe, that will be celebrating her son's Andre's birthday. Andre is one of the King's Jewels. Tim and Lisa, Are celebrating a move, (laughs) which is really in (laughs) four parts. They have to uh, move things from the apartment that Lisa's mom, uh, where she's been living, they move things over to the home that Lisa has it in North Raleigh. And then they have to move Lisa's things to the new home that they bought and after that, they have to move Tim's things to the new home. So they have a complex situation and they do need help. Um, the, some helped yesterday, and uh, but they, they have a lot to move. And this week they're packing boxes and taking loads over kind of car full by car full uh, over to Lisa's town home. And then next Saturday, they're gonna be moving things like a hospital bed and a washer, dryer, and I'm not sure what all. But um, if you can help them, if you have any free time this week, please contact Tim or Lisa. Uh, they, they would greatly appreciate that, you know. Uh, if, if you can't move boxes and you can't move um, larger things and you can clean, then they will need that because they will need to clean the apartment where Lisa's mom has been living as they move to the new situation. So they they would be very grateful. And there's Constantine. Hi, Constantine. (laughs) And some of our King's Jewels will get a surprise um, in the next couple of days.
1: lydia is unmuted if she, she wants to say hi
3: yeah i was just thinking maybe we need to set up a russian breakout room because we have a lot of russian speakers with us this morning right we could put not
1: so much there's slava well there's
3: slava and lydia and eugenia and galena we have a whole russian Crew, Constantine. Cool. Constantine. Yeah. Constantine. Yeah. 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 Wouldn't that be great? That'd be great. Well, it's good, so good to see y'all.
6: Um, Jonathan, you had any news? Yes. Uh, I was about to uh, share something with you, despite the the the. All the issues going on in, in the country with uh, racial discrimination, the coronavirus, and you know, all bad things that happened in the U.S. Uh, on, on my side, on my end, uh, I'm very. I'll become a. I'll become a citizen tomorrow of the United States. They'll give me my citizenship, and I'm, I'm more than proud to to become a U.S. citizen. Uh, for years. Uh, I would say most of the countries around the world uh, admire the U.S. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Miss. Yes. Thank Wendy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've, I've been, I've been one of that. I'm one of those millions of people that uh, admired the United States for what this country has accomplished and every everything that that uh, uh, this country has been able to to do and so even when I was a kid I used to remember watching movies about about uh, when you see the U.S. and I've always like wonder how it would be to be in the United States how I mean it, it was just it was just a dream so uh, despite the, the all the negative things I've seen uh, God has let me see also the good things about the U.S. Uh, the, I mean, the government provides a lot of things for different people with disabilities, camps, uh Medicaid for kids, Medicare, uh, protection like for, for minors when they suffer, you know, uh, uh, physical abuse. So I've seen just let me let me tell you that I've seen a lot of good things that, that the the government at least provides to to people to to its citizens, whether you are an American or not. Because uh, I've been given I'm not I was not an American and I've been receiving help from the government to pay for my school, not even being a U.S. citizen, not 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 even Peru will help me pay for my like over there scholarship is not a word that you just I mean it's just really hard. Uh, and in Peru, you're on your own. If you want to get educated, you're on your own. Uh, you go to work, go to school. That's just, just very hard. But being in the U.S. Uh, it has been a blessing. So I, I like uh, God has blessed each each one of you to be American. And uh, so I just I just want to tell you that I'll become a U.S. citizen tomorrow. It's really a, a privilege, and I'll be I'm very proud. You know to um, to be a uh, I will be very proud because of all the things that I have seen. And but as uh, Mr. Uh, Where were the songs in this place? he says yeah, Mr. Randy, yeah, he was praying and he says something something uh he says something that is uh resonated in me that uh America is not it's it's, a, it's not a race problem. It's a it's a heart problem. Yeah. It's the sins the sin, sins problem, and that's 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 true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whether well, it's in the US, whether it's in Peru, you know, in Peru we also experience uh, racism uh, uh, in different ways. Too, so it's I mean it's a sins problem. It's it's in the heart it's in the heart of men. Yeah. But uh, I just want to let you know about about what's happening tomorrow. Oh, the USCIS is, a uh, United States, uh, yeah, is an immigration office here where they grant Where they, they will be in a ceremony tomorrow and there will be probably another like 25 or 50 people. Nobody, uh, unfortunately I was expecting to take my family. Uh, but, uh, because of the virus, uh, there will be no people so I will be, it will be only me and all the people that will also be by themselves uh, doing the ceremony and receiving a, kind of like a certificate so
3: yeah, but so we we'll have
6: a party later on.
3: So we haven't seen anything we're just trusting Jonathan that he's telling us the truth when he goes over there <laughs> somewhere tomorrow morning he comes back a U.S. citizen so.
1: He will, well, it's
3: it's a, we welcome gosh. you.
1: Say
3: that, that again th- Mary.
2: It's a special celebration that they have. Yeah. And, um, and so I, my guess is that they would maybe do some kind of video of it since your family won't be able to be there. Because otherwise they invite families in and people all participate. So maybe they'll do that. That, that would be neat.
0: Well, they always have a large swearing-in ceremony on the 4th of July on the Capitol grounds downtown. So I didn't know if this one would be open or not, but I understand because of the current situation that yeah. they can't do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Jonathan, if they live stream it, let let us know. Okay.
6: So okay. Watch. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know, so I, I don't know what to expect tomorrow.
7: But... Well, Rebecca, be able to be there? No, I'm unfortunately I I can't come and. The the only way I was thinking about coming is what they said on the on his paper like if you have someone that needs to come in a wheelchair then you can bring them and so but but unfortunately
6: well, we can get you a wheelchair. <laughs> I <don't> will
7: <know. laughs> be that bringing him a I would be maybe able to go so he wouldn't have
4: to be walking but. <laughs>
7: I'm kind of upset that I can't go, but I mean, I I, I, I understand it. That's all right. Hey, and, and just to say,
3: just to make sure y'all understand that Jonathan has already been paying taxes, whether he's a citizen or not. So.
0: <laughs>
7: Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That's more than some citizens do. <laughs> hey, yeah. 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 Yeah.
7: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, that's good news. That's good.
2: Yeah. Jonathan, we're proud um, to have you become an American.
6: Yes, I think that Jonathan. <laughs> I believe you.
1: <laughs>
7: another another reason why he wanted to do—I mean, he kind of held off on doing this for several reasons. But another reason was because um, becoming a citizen will give him lots more op- opportunities for for jobs and just other things that were closed off to him before becoming a, a citizen, and now it can be like. Nothing is called off to him and anymore. Everything is available to him. So that's another reason why we wanted to do this. (laughs) Yeah, everything is is going to be available. So
6: Mm. It's a lot easier to travel to other countries too. That's another
7: reason too. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
3: Except right now. (laughs) (laughs)
6: Yeah, it's very difficult to travel.
3: Last last Sunday
6: I uh, disappeared uh, because uh, I received a call from my, my dad saying that my sister and my aunt has a, have the coronavirus. And apparently my, my sister has really bad uh, respiratory issues. And my aunt, which is with high fever right now, is uh, in really, really bad condition. Uh, and we're afraid that she has cancer. And... So I, 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 it just came up to me right now that like, that would be a good reason to pray, uh, to be praying for.
1: Okay.
6: Uh, which so which my aunt is and My aunt and my sister, Elizabeth.
4: Elizabeth.
6: Uh, Elizabeth, yeah.
4: And which, what is your aunt's name?
6: Gladys. Mm-hmm. How do
1: you say it? I. No, uh, Gladys. Gladys, like Gladys. Gladys.
4: Gladys. 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 Gladys, yes. Gladys. Gotcha.
3: Yeah, so are there any other final prayer requests?
4: Slava, is there any update on your father? He he also has the coronavirus and is in the hospital. Any update, Slava?
1: He's good. He doesn't feel so bad, and mm, we just need to wait. And I thank Slava, everything is okay with my father.
4: So he's getting better then? Yes. Wonderful.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you for that.
2: But he is in the hospital, isn't he, Slava?
1: Yes, he is. He's in the hospital. Just just for, you know, for safety. Because if something happened with him at home, probably emergency cannot come so fast. And it's just like prevent uh, action, you know. I, I know everything will be okay with him. i just praying for him every day. And... I know Lord is him and everything be
3: okay. Are there any other prayer requests?
4: Anybody heard about Waldemar?
2: How he's doing or Heather? Anybody?
3: Heather was really sick, but she's feeling better now. And um I saw Waldemar had posted a prayer request on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know whether he's through the worst of it yet or not. But Peru has really taken a real hit with uh, the growth of infections, um, just like Brazil and Russia have uh, also. So pray for a vaccine. Who would like to pray? <laughs> Rebecca, would you pray? You've got to unmute.
7: Okay, so for Slava's S- 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 dad and Jonathan's sisters and what was the other one?
3: Vaccine. vaccine. Yeah, okay. And then whatever okay. else the Lord puts in your heart.
7: <laughs> Dear God, we, we thank you for this time that we could be together, Lord. And I just um, echo what dad was saying this morning, Lord. We we all truly with, um, the desire to be together again in person, Lord. And we know one day that, that day is coming, Lord, but we're not sure when. Um, Lord, just help us to keep um, just trusting you and following you day after day, Lord, even though um we don't know what's coming in the future Lord, but we know our our future is secure in you lord um we we pray for for us dad, lord we we thank you that he's actually doing better and he is getting better lord i I just pray that day after day lord your your hand of healing would just continue to help him become stronger and stronger every day lord Keep them healthy and well, Lord. We thank you for that good report, Lord. And um, we also pray for Jonathan's aunt and his sister Laura as they've they've somehow uh, caught the the virus. Or it is a serious thing, Lord. But we know that nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too difficult of a challenge for you, Lord. And uh, we we just put them into your your hands, Lord, knowing that, that that they are safe in in your hands and that you. You are so powerful, Lord. That you're able to heal them, and and we do pray that that they would they would one day be be healed of this as as this family for Jonathan and I, and especially more more so for for him. Lord. just pray that Jonathan could could put his family in your hands, Lord, and I just just know that. The, the you are sovereign over everything and nothing is too too small for for you to see or nothing is too too big for you to overcome lord um and and, and we do pray that uh i know there are a lot of people working on um um a vaccine for this lord and i'm sure we all want it just to go away it's been here long enough lord and so many people have suffered losses of of this virus or I do pray that you would give the doctors and the scientists, Lord, who are working on this, Lord, give them give them wisdom, Lord, of how to deal with this thing that you don't really know a whole lot about, Lord. I I just pray that your your wisdom would be, um, imparted to them and the believers who are in that field as as well, Lord, who would be able to 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 share it with their with their co-workers, Lord. I just I just want to thank you for all the salvations that took place in Minneapolis, Lord, um, and they. May that spread to the entire world, or yes. people just coming to you, or um, during this time. And thank you for for your presence, being with us here today. Lord. Amen.
3: Amen. Thank you, Rebecca. Y'all enjoy the Lord's day.